Are you ready? It's that time! Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, uh, degens and degenerates, uh, to uh, another episode of Man Buns and Jesus. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Pastor Benjamin Olschlager, uh, coming to you from the the warm and sunny state of Michigan. Uh, it's seventy and sunny today. Give us a it's break. It's warmer there than it is here. Wow, you heard it here first, folks. Um, Anyway, from the warm and sunny state of Michigan and from the frozen barren wasteland that is the, the state of California, uh, my co-host today is Pastor Josh Laborious. Well, high at us, 62 here. Coming at us from uh, somewhere in the valley <laughs> through his broken phone screen, showing us that it is 62. Um, <laughs> we're cycling back to our uh, dive into the book of uh, First Corinthians today. And we're looking at uh, the back half of chapter 11, starting at verse 17. So if you want to crack your Bibles open, this is what we're going to be referencing as we have our discussion today. Uh, again, not diving super deep into this text, but looking at how this applies to us today and um, kind of some of the conversations that we see coming out of this text. So from verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you, uh, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers... <clears throat> When you come together, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. 
about the other things, I will give directions when I come. So Josh, where are we going with this today? Well, Ben, who this is this is a silly conversation. Uh, because you know where we're going with this. Uh, but for the rest of you who weren't here for our, our brief planning session, I I suppose I can share. Uh, I should have said, Josh, tell the people where we're tell going. Tell the people, today. let the people know. Um, <laughs> can you tell I've been peer reviewing papers for the last couple of <laughs> That's a dumb sentence. That's a dumb sentence. Comment, you should have phrased this better. Yeah. There haven't been any uh, blatant, that's what she said jokes in any of the papers I've looked at, though. So that's that's good. good. Um, un completely unrelated to what we're, <laughs> we're going to talk about. And when I look at this text, I think there, I mean, there's obviously a lot worth talking about, but I think there are probably three things that stand out the most. And the first is this, is call it 17 through 22 where there are divisions in the community there are um, you know there are people going hungry while another person is is overindulging when it comes to the lord's supper so we're going to kind of talk about what it means to come together as a community in this meal and then it goes on from that and it quote in verse 24 and 25 uh it's quoting Jesus and the institution of this meal. And we're going to pay at least a little bit of attention to that because the, the wording is, and this is one of the things that sets Lutherans apart from a lot of other denominations, because it says, this is my body. And then later, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Um, so we understand that Jesus isn't saying it represents he isn't saying you know remember like just remember me when you do this he's saying this is my body this is my blood and we don't know how that is true but we know it is uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit and then finally there's this pretty dramatic warning starting in verse 17 about people who take communion unworthily and how harmful that can be for them. So kind of those are the three things that we're going to focus in on today. And kind of as a maybe a jumping off point, if you join us for for worship on Sunday, any Sunday that I am there, um, we do communion every Sunday at Edgewater. Or well, Every Sunday that there's an ordained minister present, we do communion. That's our, that's our policy. Um, I, I get two Sundays off a year. So 54 Sundays a year, you get communion at Edgewater. Um, there's only 52 weeks in a year. Then 50 Sundays. Why do I? I always think there are 56 weeks in a year, and I don't know where that number comes from. Some years there are... 53 Sundays, which I mean, I think this year is one of them, actually, because the first was a Sunday. So I think it, December 31st of this year is also a Sunday. In any case, uh, <laughs> when I am kind of, uh, when I'm preparing the table for the Lord's Supper, so, you know, 
taking the the cover off of the bread and the wine and and doing that kind of stuff right i have a spiel that i go through pretty much every week and if you're there you'll hear it and it's something to the effect of when we approach this table we acknowledge that jesus promises to meet us here and we we believe him we trust him at his word we we know he's going to be here in his body in his blood and that he promises there's forgiveness of sins here for us but that means we approach the table as repentant sinners and more than that when we come together at this table we're also acknowledging that we are part of a, a community of faith that we believe together so if you're comfortable with that, if you're comfortable acknowledging that you are a repentant sinner who needs forgiveness and that you believe alongside the rest of us here at Edgewater Lutheran Church, you're welcome at this table. And if you're not, please still feel free to come forward and cross your arms over your chest and out of respect for what we're doing here, and we'll have a prayer and a blessing instead. Um, so that's that's kind of the the run up the introduction to communion before we before we do the words of institution and we kind of move through communion and all like that is my way of addressing all three of these points right because I, I there's a nod to this is the body and blood there's a nod to we come to this table as repentant sinners and we like <laughs> We don't approach this table with the arrogance that we don't need forgiveness, and uh, and we approach it as a community, and we approach it together. So um, that's my practice. You think I'm a heretic, Ben? Because I've I never mean, been in another church that does that. They might have something like that in the bulletin, but I've never heard it said out loud. I don't necessarily say something like that every week, but I also have a small enough congregation, and the lighting is just not terrible enough that I can tell who's there. Uh, and if we have guests that I haven't had a chance to talk with, I like, I try to meet our guests and, and, you know, see, are they exploring churches? Are they uh, visiting family, you know, figure out what their background is. Yeah. Um, so I can kind of do some of that stuff ahead of time. Um, but if somebody sneaks in during the first hymn or whatever the case may be, um, I do try to like give a spiel as as we're preparing for communion, um, acknowledging, <clears throat> hey, we believe that this is Christ's body and blood, um, in with and under the bread and wine, as we kind of modernly say in the Lutheran Church, or uh, sometimes I'll say, truly present in the in the bread and wine. Uh, echoing luther's language just because i'm a nerd and i like both of those um yeah thanks uh and if you believe that and you confess along with us the words of the creed that we spoke um you're you're welcome here um again offering a blessing um to those who don't want to partake in the meal for whatever reason um or can't partake in the meal for whatever reason um 
But the more I think about this, like this particular text, the more I want to lean into some things that maybe I don't say very often. And I, I don't know about you, but like, I genuinely wonder how many like feuds are bubbling under the surface of my congregation or any given congregation at any given moment, right? Like, yeah, well, and even because I think when when you say that, some people might be, especially with the comment earlier about the sharing of the piece, mm -hmm. you might. You I don't think we actually yeah. talked about that. Someone might be wait, what? I don't think we actually talked about that yet. So was that in the in our planning? It was in our planning. So what Josh is referring to here is um in a lot of services, at some point, either at uh after the sermon, um, when we've heard the, the gospel proclaimed and, and we receive uh, the peace of God in, in renewed understanding of what Christ has done for us, uh, or sometimes um, at the beginning of the service, like knowing that we're preparing to receive the peace of God, um, churches will have a time to like greet those around you and pass the peace of the Lord. Um, and that tradition stems from uh, a desire to be unified as a congregation um, because of warnings like what we see here in First Corinthians, where uh, Paul is telling them, um, "Don't approach you come, the table divided." Yeah, do not come to the table divided. Um, and so, like the tradition originally was, if you had a feud going on with someone in the congregation, you would leave your seat, walk to that person in the sanctuary find them shake their hand no 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 you're not going to throw fists um and extend the peace of the lord and if it was reciprocated well especially if it was reciprocated you were both ex like you were both then deemed prepared for the rail um it didn't mean that the issue was necessarily resolved it just meant we're brothers in christ we can solve this as brothers in christ right um, we're good. We can come to the same rail knowing that we are going to serve and love one another with the best of intentions, whatever this feud may be. Um, and it's kind of, some of that has kind of dropped by the wayside, but. Well, and I think there's maybe a temptation, especially with that explanation in mind to think I'm at peace with everyone in the congregation. Especially since for a lot of people and in a lot of churches, sometimes the only time you see a lot of your other church members is on Sunday morning. Like, mm -hmm. it's not like you also work with and live next to and like you're not in really close community with these people all the time, which means there's a lot less time to start fights. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I would say especially because Jesus's instructions are if you're offering a gift at the altar and you remember that you have a problem with one of your brothers speaking like with another person, he says, leave your gift, 
go reconcile, then come back and offer your gift. So kind of thinking of that as a, as a principle, mm-hmm. this division, I, I don't think is limited to the people who are necessarily there taking communion with you physically in the room, mm-hmm. right? If which, and it, and it does, right? If you had an argument in the car on the way over, resolve that before you come to the table. Yeah. Um, if that means you're a little late to service, fine, resolve, forgive, confess, do the whole spiel. Um, or if like you have, if you have conflict with other Christians who maybe they go to other churches, maybe, maybe they're off somewhere else. Like this is a call to be reconciled. And I, this is, (laughs) I'm, I'm spinning this Ben. Uh, so let me know if I'm going too far down a rabbit hole. But that's a rope to your ankle before you dive in. Reading this changed my perspective. Like just now, when you read it, because I had always thought for for anyone who doesn't know, the Lutheran Church practices something called close communion, which (laughs) is admittedly a very hard term to nail down. But part of the connotation of it is if if you don't share our confession of faith and so kind of on a fundamental level if if you don't believe the small catechism to be an accurate understanding of what christianity should be um we would say you shouldn't commune at our altar right we say we have to have the same understandings of things and i i had always thought that kind of where that comes from is this for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. And I think there's maybe a little bit of that, but more so, I think that a justification for that comes from that is a division and it, it might not be a division that is like active and you're struggling with, but it's still a division that's kind of underlying. So like, you know, we, I, I want to pick a non-threatening one, but I'm not good at that. Uh, we we believe that Jesus uh, turned water into wine. And maybe you think that Jesus turned water into grape juice. Now, that's not a major issue, but it is kind of a division that has, it's there. So I'm I'm thinking as I read this, don't commune when there are divisions among you. I think that is part of the justification for if we have serious disagreements about theology, that is that's a division that we should deal with before we before we step to the table together. And actually, and this like like I said, this is all off the cuff. Like I am kind of processing this as we are recording here. I think that is a better uh, rationale than oh, you're taking it unworthily. No, but. If we don't agree on these important things, we're taking it as a divided community, which I think is a better argument for let's deal with these disagreements and let's kind of prioritize that element of our community. So mm-hmm. those these are my musings. And if if you're sitting there at home wondering, well, what's a significant enough division? Because there will be disagreements between people in a church like <clears throat> the diff- the disagreement between the the two versions of uh 
mighty fortress that are printed in the hymnal, the Luther version versus the Bach version. Like Bach's better. I disagree. See, but Josh and I can both go to the rail because that's that's not a that's not a breaking point. And so, and this this might be this well, is the nerd answer. But if you want, if you want to ask me what what theology is, what theology matters enough to count as a division we need to deal with first, I would say theology that was important enough to be included in the Book of Concord. Which I don't, I don't have my copy with me. Book of Concord's like this big, right? It's and if you're not watching the video, like think of a major study Bible. It's probably about as big as that, right? However, it is it's pretty repetitive. I um it's you know what I'm gonna go as far to say it's very repetitive because if you look at it, so there's uh, it contains a bunch of di different documents. You have the Augsburg Confession, which talks about uh, God and original sin and the Son of God, justification. And it, it goes, it has 21 articles. And then the next document is the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, which is those same articles again, but with more explanation, with kind of a defense of what they are. Um, and then the, you know, the small call articles, the catechisms. Ben has a copy if you're watching the video. It's, it's a hefty book. But it's it's kind of repetitive and like a lot My of phone that, for reference. A lot of the topics are covered again. And I would, in case you didn't know, as a pastor in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we have sworn, we have vowed, we have promised before God to hold to these teachings. And you... There, I don't. I really don't think there's that much radical in there, but these are the core of what we believe, and everything else is kind of. Um, it can closely follow, but I would say that these are kind of the the important ones. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to run through them so we kind of know what we're dealing with. This is Augsburg Confession. It talks about who God is, original sin, the Son of God. So that's Jesus. Justification, uh, the office of preaching new obedience, which Christian living would be a good way to talk about that. Uh, the church, what is the church? Baptism, Lord's Supper, confession, repentance, the sacraments, uh, church government regulations, public order and secular government, uh, free will, the return of Christ's judgment, the cause of sin, faith in good works, and the cult of the saints. Um, and the formula of Concord adds... Uh, a little bit about predestination, I guess, and how do we deal with adiaphora, which is anything that's like not included in the Bible that we kind of got to figure out on our own. Um, but like, I would say that's, 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 if we agree on those, what, 21 topics, I feel like that we can at least kind of have that as a starting point as like, these mattered enough yeah. to me. That we vow to uphold these teachings. And if they matter that much, well, if we're divided about them, we should probably deal with it. Um, and for anyone who's listening, you might be thinking, like, there's some noteworthy things that people today get very upset about that aren't included in that list. And my response would be, then those things aren't important enough for us to have to come to one accord on. Um, because... 
yeah that's a i think that was a little bit of soapbox my bad but uh okay i mean i think another way to even more possibly even more succinctly um <laughs> more talk about that topic concord wow that's a high bar yeah so um th we're getting nerdy again that's fine um kind of who we are the the three creeds that we as a lutheran church uphold all were each written for an original purpose or were written for purpose and then became used for a specific purpose the apostles creed the one that shows up in your small catechism was originally written as a creed that new converts could say uh recite before they got baptized um obviously they wouldn't make the infants do it but um adult converts or or older kids would recite the creed before they got baptized because they wanted you to have that base level of understanding before you got baptized the nicene creed was used at a little bit more advanced stage in someone's faith when they knew about enough about the faith that they were prepared to come and receive communion um there's not a lot more in the nicene creed that's not in the apostles creed it just but, gets more specific about jesus yeah. work yeah but like the idea was if you know this creed if you understand this creed you're you're ready for communion um and so like if you're wondering what some of those articles that josh referenced in the book concord say go read your nicene creed in your hymnal or just google it um because i'm guessing 99 percent of our audience doesn't own a hymnal uh which is i'm not judging you here yeah fine that's fine and that's yeah that's absolutely fine um literally just go judge go google the nicene creed read it through and if you have any problems with anything in there reach out to your pastor if not you're probably good if you really want to go for it you can talk about the athanasian creed but uh yeah was, the athanasian creed is, that's built on uh generations of conflict that needed to be sorted out once and for all so we say it yeah. once a year to kind of rem remind us that uh you know that we don't really understand how god works we just know that he does yep <laughs> yeah that, that's a good succinct way to put that um and if you if for whatever you would want to dive into the book of concord stuff you can also google that you can find a free copy online um Yeah, because it's out there. Or check your church library if they have one. Um, your pastor probably has a copy that, if we're being honest, he probably doesn't pull off the shelf super often. Um, or possibly multiple copies. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all of that is to say, like, there are succinct ways for us to say, this is what we want you to understand as you're approaching the rail um and the the reason we don't want those divisions among us is because it says not to have divisions among you it's because it says it, yeah it says not to have divisions among you. and so like today today i have been tempted to add to my pre-communion spiel if you have divisions with anyone in the congregation 
scripture uh, testifies to knock it off or don't come to the rail. Yeah, my my dad floated this idea, and I hope I'm not throwing him under the bus. I don't think I am. He said worse things. Um, but he floated this idea once of doing a sermon on like confession and taking a minute in the sermon saying, pull out your phones. If you have someone and you are unresolved, like you have unresolved conflict, make the call, resolve it. And like taking five minutes during the service to have people do that. Um, that would be an interesting practice. I mean, I, I feel like that would almost like call it a modern version of the sharing of the peace as it was originally intended. Mm-hmm. And before before you do communion, you say, okay, everybody, if you have if you have conflict with someone, deal with it now. Yeah. And I think this starts to to bleed into those next two sections a little bit. Oh, let's like, get after I, it then. Hmm? Let's get after it then. Yeah, like as to why it's so important we don't have conflict. And Paul's referencing uh, a church that hold on, hold on. For Bruce Hartung's sake. Sure. Conflict is good. Unresolved conflict is the problem. Okay, we're not trying to say, oh, we're just going to avoid conflict and we're not going to deal with these things. We need to deal with them, but we mm-hmm. need to deal with them and not just kind of mm-hmm. hold on to them. Continue, yeah. Ben. So the 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 original problem that Paul is facing alongside this this Corinthian community is that each of them is showing up with their own Lord's Supper, essentially. Uh, so you can imagine like Grandma Schmidt showing up with her like gallon bottle of rosé and a freshly baked loaf of bread and um, some flustered mom who's just happy that her kids got out of bed that morning and are listening to her well enough is wandering up to the rail with like the rest of, of little Timmy's apple juice and a handful of Cheerios and like that's how communion is operating. Um, which very clearly denotes the divisions in the community to the point where some are even showing up with nothing and receiving nothing because of their their poverty, their poverty, their station in life, whatever the case may be, right? And uh, as Paul is writing to them, he's saying like, you can't show those kinds of divisions at the rail because you know who you are before Christ. And if you are coming to, I mean, they weren't necessarily at a rail, but if if you are coming to the Lord's Supper and you are saying that you are partaking in the body and blood of Christ, you better be coming in a state of humility equal to your friends and neighbors equal to that dirtiest slave that you barely know but is a part of your church and and the reason for that right is because before god almighty we are all equal Mm -hmm. and our state is pitiful before before he steps in 
and lifts us all up. And that's why we take it so seriously when Jesus says, this is my body, this is the new covenant in my blood. Because we are, we are in the, in the most literal way we can meeting Jesus and coming into contact with Jesus, the son of God. There needs to be a level of respect there. And the danger of kind of reducing this meal to anything less than that is we start treating it as something less than that and dishonor the son of God who's coming to meet us where we're at. Um, yeah. And so I don't want to fly along here, but I think the the next section kind of speaks to no fly right away i think i know where you're going okay so um verse where are we at i think Uh, 29 no oh i'm looking for verse 30 oh so Maybe 29 and 30 would be good to read together. That's fair. Provide just um, an inkling of context. Nah. A little, a little, a little sprinkle. Just a seasoning of context. Um, so for Paul, um, one, I'm actually going to read 27 too um, when we get there. But like Paul is is after talking about this being the body and blood of Christ is going to just hammer home the fact that this is a, a a thing of utmost importance to recognize. Um, 27, whoever therefore eats the blood, the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So eating and drinking uh, at communion in a way that is unworthy, you are sinning against the very body of Christ himself. That's something to be avoided, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Um, And Paul connects it with something that I think we don't necessarily connect it with often. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. Um, That's a hard one to deal with. Yeah. Like, granted, in Corinth, they seem to be taking this this abuse of the of the Lord's Supper to a pretty extreme extent, um, which is why I think the Lord's judgment on on these people seems to be so harsh. <laughs> but there was a humorous attempt made at a uh, like communion information card based on this particular passage like this chunk of this passage um warning people of the potential of communicable disease uh should they take the the lord's supper in an unworthy manner because you got to remember we're eating and drinking human flesh and blood yikes <laughs> i don't like that one i don't like that one so- but the reality is there though right yeah it's 
you I, better be treating this with utmost respect because if you're not like there's a there's a danger here but i think maybe more terrifying is from 29 without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself like whether or not you can observe them there are spiritual con consequences for not handling this correctly and not handling this with the respect and the devotion that is invited here. Um, again, this is this is the Son of God coming to meet us with forgiveness, and that is deserving of some reverence and some respect, especially when when he sets up these kind of guidelines for approaching it, for understanding it. Um, and this is something that is kind of drilled into us at the seminary in that uh one of the, one of the kind of uh column titles i guess for pat like alternative titles is we're stewards of of the gifts so it's our job to kind of make sure they're being that the gifts of god are going out and being received and um and part of that is like we're we're supposed to steward this meal and that includes like looking out for the best interest of the people who are taking it uh I would not like it, it, I don't want to be the person who who just communes anyone and then like inadvertently does spiritual harm to someone because they're taking an unworthy manner. Um, and I don't think we need to dive into this too much, but that's why in, in the Lutheran church, there's something called the minor ban. And that is where a pastor will say, gen generally, it's because of an unrepentant sin that the pastor is aware of that someone is dealing with. And by unrepentant sin, I mean, um, kind of an easy example, if you are living with your girlfriend or boyfriend, and you are sleeping with them, and you're not married. And when the pastor says, like, hey, you shouldn't be doing that, your response is, I don't think it's really wrong. Like, you're living in unrepentant sin at that point, and we would say, "Well, I can't commune you." And it's not because it's and it's not really designed as a punishment. It is out of concern. If you're approaching this table in unrepentance, I don't want that to be receiving this gift in an unworthy manner that leads to your spiritual harm. Um, and that, I mean, that's why we have the uh, that's why we have the minor ban. It's it's to give us a tool to actually take care of people and to steward this gift appropriately. At least that's my view. I, I think there are, there are definitely people who view it more as like a, a punishment kind of thing. I don't think that's the best way to view it. Um, at least not based on this passage. I wouldn't say that's necessarily an appropriate way. Um, but like there is that awareness. Now, thankfully, I've never come across a situation where I've had to use that tool i would be entirely fine if i went my entire ministry without having to use that tool but it's there so yeah minor ban is there a major ban is that or do we just call that excommunication yeah i, I think that's that's the way we go <laughs> that's the main that's the ban hammer You're yeah here. yeah I think we did an episode about excommunication. I think we did one about church discipline. I think you are correct. I 
you yes you you can look up the episode number um you're talking to me or our audience you do your own work audience oh i don't even we have so yeah. many episodes out at this point it's it's kind of crazy um i 77 77 episodes we have released okay I don't know if this is putting a bow on it, but it might be putting a bow on it. That's okay. Um, we can put a bow on it. So I think one of the things that we've kind of talked about a handful of times in this episode now is how it's important for us to wrap our minds around a lot of these things before we enter our worship time. Um, make peace with those that you're feuding with before you enter your worship time. So that that worship is fruitful and you're not sitting there in the midst of judgment during your worship. Um, have an understanding of what you're getting into before you enter the worship time. So that when we get to things like communion, when we get to things like um, confession and absolution, you know what's going on and you're ready to, to receive the gifts that the Lord has for you. Um, and... Uh, Prepare yourself to take communion so that when you're going, you're not eating and drinking judgment on yourself, right? And Paul actually summarizes the the kerfuffle, we'll say, uh, the brouhaha, if you will. Uh, brouhaha. In Corinth, uh, he tells the people to basically fix it by... If you're hungry, eat at home. Just eat before you go. Deal with it before you get here. Yeah. And I think that's maybe kind of a, like a succinct summary for all of us. Like, when we come to worship, there may be things we're challenged on that we weren't prepared for. And that's okay. Uh, Josh and I, as pastors... We study scripture so that we can help you understand where some of your blind spots might be in terms of Christian living, where some of your blind spots might be in terms of the things God is calling you out of, uh, where some of your blind spots might be in terms of like the grace that Christ is covering you with. And you might you might get to walk home with some new nuggets of knowledge and, and grace uh, as you as you leave. Um but there are things you can do to be prepared. I have to drink coffee every Sunday morning so that I don't fall asleep mid-sermon as I'm preaching. But I do that at home so that I'm prepared. I'm awake when I get there, usually, unless the dog decides I don't get to sleep that night. Let's say um, I have a cup before I get there and a cup once I am there. <laughs> um. And if, like, just the very act of, of being awake is important enough to prepare as we go into worship, there are a handful of other things that are, are important for us to prepare for as well. Like preparing our hearts and minds, preparing our relationships with those that we're, we're worshiping alongside. Like, it's good to be prepared. Um, you can do some of that like as you're entering the service, but a good chunk of it, you can take care of at home. And if you can, 
I think Paul's telling us you should. Yeah. So I think takeaways, although that yeah. really sounded almost like a takeaway. Um, I mean, we can we can do one for each of the sections. Oh, geez, three whole takeaways. You're gonna tax my mental. I got I got the first one. You only have to do one then. Oh. Whew. Good. So first, first things first, you're feuding with someone, and it's unresolved conflict, not necessarily like unresolved situations, but unresolved conflict. Resolve it. Um if you need to figure out the like logistical particulars later, you can do that. But knock it off. Josh? Shameless plug uh, for Ben there. We do have an episode on reconciling conflict. So you can listen to that. We had on a couple guys a lot smarter than we are. Um, so takeaway for the second one is you are approaching the body and blood of Christ act appropriately for interact like for going before god almighty mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and when and you get there again. when you get there uh know what you're doing because it's important for us to know what we're doing so be prepared be prepared and in that way prepare you <laughs> anyway um if uh, if you're thinking of inviting someone to join you at your church and you're you're at a Lutheran church, maybe send them this podcast first. So they they kind of know a little bit what they're stepping into. If that is if you've reached this point in the podcast and you got here because a friend did that, um, hopefully this was helpful. Hopefully it wasn't too intimidating, um, and hopefully you you understand a little bit more about what we're what the sacrament means. Um, please, whoever you are, whatever brought you to this episode, uh, go ahead and like the episode if you enjoyed it and subscribe to the podcast because then you know when there are new episodes out, which is mostly on Tuesdays, unless I forget to post them. Uh, and also it, it kind of, it justifies the time we put into this, which is nice for us and for anyone we're accountable to. Um, so there's that. We have a Facebook page that we don't care if you like or not, but it's there in case you want to reach out to us. And if you want to reach out to us and suggest a topic, or you want us to bring a guest on, or maybe you want to come onto the show, we, we welcome all of those things. And if you know us personally, you can just shoot us a text and we'll, we'll make it happen. Um, but if you don't know us personally, if you've stumbled across this podcast in some other way, that's what the Facebook page is for. You can message or comment on the Facebook page. We'll see it at some point. Uh, we, we, we check it from time to time, I suppose. And uh, yeah, we, I think that's all the shameless plugs we have. Plug, plug, plug. Uh, well, go to, go to church on Sunday. If you're in the Lake Orion uh, area, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, Pastor Ben, uh, if you're in the Eastfield Corona area, Edgewater Lutheran Church, that's me. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you on Sunday in church and any other time we get to do ministry with you. So with that, brothers and sisters, go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.